Welcome to the CDH Conversations podcast in which we'll be discussing the legal weight of appointment letters in employment and when they can be regarded as contracts of employment. I am Christine Mugenyu, an associate in the employment practice at Cliff Decker Hofmeyer, the Kenyan office. Joining me today is Johnston Obai, a trainee advocate at Cliff Decker Hofmeyer. Johnston, thank you so much for joining me today for this interesting discussion. I'm glad to join the discussion, Christine. So what is an appointment letter? Normally, employers issue appointment letters to successful candidates who have been selected for the job with a view of providing a more comprehensive contract of employment at a later date. Essentially, these letters of appointment capture the details of the employer, the employee, the nature of work, remuneration, and when the employee is expected to report to work. An employer may also choose to include any other additional information. It is important for an employer to understand the legal implications of appointment letters. Some employers are of the view that letters of appointment are not really contracts of employment and can therefore be unilaterally revoked by the employer. Our discussion today is informed by the judgment delivered by the Employment and Labor Relations Court in Kenya in the case of Kevin Gatembo Karyuki and four others versus the Office of the Auditor General and two others. In this case, the court discussed in detail the legal weight of appointment letters and the effect of an unilateral revocation of an appointment letter before an employee reports to work. So, Johnston, please could you briefly highlight the facts of this case so that we can understand the court's reasoning behind the judgment? Thank you, Christine. Uh, so, in the Kelvin Gatembo case, the Office of the Auditor General advertised job vacancies in the local dailies. The petitioners, Kelvin Gatembo Karyuki and four others applied for these openings, among other applicants, of course. They were interviewed on 1st February 2019 and upon being successful, they were invited to collect their letters of appointment on 14th August 2019. They accept the list of appointment and sign the letters ready for the assignment of duty effective 15th August 2019, as instructed in the letters of appointment. However, before the 15th August 2019, they were advised by the Auditor General's Human Resource Manager not to report on the given date, but instead await further instructions on procurement by the Auditor General's Office of adequate office space and equipment. They waited in vain. As a result, they moved to the Employment and Labor Relations Court, alleging that the respondents, that's the Office of the Auditor General, violated their rights under Articles 27, that is, they were discriminated against, Article 41, they were denied fair labor practice, and Article 47, they were not given reasons to why they were not absorbed into employment. They prayed for the court to compel the employer to allow them to report to work and or in the alternative, they sought compensation for unfair and unlawful termination of employment. Thank you, Johnston, for that case brief. We shall now proceed to discuss the issues framed by the court for determination and the court's reasoning on each issue. So the two issues before the court were, one, whether the letters of appointment were indeed contracts and valid for that matter. Two, whether the prospective employer, that is the Auditor General, could unilaterally revoke the letters of appointment without following the fair termination process in the law. So on the first issue, that is the validity of contracts, in answering this question, the court looked at Sections 9 and 10 of the Employment Act. Section 9 of the Act provides for the general provisions of a contract of employment, which include particulars of the employer, particulars of the employee, the contract must be signed by both parties, that is the employer and the employee, that it is written in a language the employee understands, and that it includes the period of the number of working days, which in aggregate equals to three months or more. So looking at the contracts, it was evident that the Auditor General himself signed the contracts, that the petitioners had signed their respective letters, the employee's personal details were also stated in the letters, the job descriptions were also stated in the said letters, 
and the date of reporting to work was also given. And further, the details of remuneration were also clearly indicated in the letters. Further, Section 10 of the Act, that is Employment Act, provides for the particulars that must be included in an employment contract. These particulars are the name, age, permanent address and sex of the employee, the name of the employer, the job description of the employment, the date of commencement of the employment, the form and duration of the contract, the place of work, hours of work, remuneration scale or rate of remuneration, and also the date on which the employee's period of continuous employment began, taking into account any employment work. So on this issue, the court found that the letters of appointment were indeed contracts of employment. Johnston, could you please take us through the second issue before the court? Okay, thank you, Christine. So the second issue before the court was whether the termination of the contracts of employment were actually lawful. So based on the finding that the letters were actually contracts of employment, the court proceeded to evaluate whether their termination was lawful. The court found that the employer's action of unilaterally annulling and subsequently revoking the letters of appointment was unlawful under Section 42.4 of the Employment Act. Under that section, an employer is required to issue a seven days notice or pay the employee seven days salary before terminating them during the probationary period. The employer's argument that the revocation of the letters of appointment was due to them having been issued in total disregard of the human resource policies and procedures did not hold water. Furthermore, the court held that the petitioner's contracts were within the probation period of six months at the time they were terminated. The petitioners reported for duty but never started working and so did not serve the period of six months. The Auditor General Unilateral Annulment of the Petitioner's Contracts was unlawful under Section 42.4 of the Employment Act as the petitioners were entitled to seven days a salary in lieu of notice. Importantly, the court held that the petitioners could not claim under unfair termination law, theirs having been probation contracts terminable by seven days notice or seven days salary without the necessity of a hearing or giving of other reasons in justifying termination. The court declared that the contracts of employment by the employer and the employee were valid and were unlawfully terminated by the employer and as a result the employer was ordered to pay each of the petitioners seven days salary in lieu of notice. That is the end of the court's decision, Christine. Thank you, Johnston, for that. So in this case, the court held that the employees could not claim for unfair termination because they were probationary contracts which were terminable by seven days' notice or seven days' salary in lieu of notice without the necessity of a hearing or giving of reasons in justifying termination. But just for the listener's benefit, maybe, Johnston, you could clarify on the current legal position on this because it has recently changed. Thank you, Christine, again. So although in this case the court held that the probationary contract can be terminated without the employee being taken through a fair termination process, the same is no longer the case. A recent judgment in the case of Monica Munira Kibuchi and others was Mount Kenya University that was decided in 2021, clarified that employers must subject employees to a fair hearing process prior to terminating the employment during probation. Thank you, Johnston, for that. So, in summary, the letters of appointment that contain all the particulars found in Section 9 and 10 of the Employment Act are deemed to be contracts of employment. Employers cannot therefore unilaterally revoke letters of appointment, but can only terminate the contracts in accordance with the Termination Clause and the Employment Act. This brings us to the end of our discussion. Thank you all for listening. The views and information expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily present those of the firm. All content is provided for general purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. 
We make no representations, warranties or guarantees, whether expressed or implied, that the content on our podcast is accurate, complete, up-to-date or reflects the current law. We accept no responsibility for any loss or damage, whether direct or consequential, arising from reliance on the information which is presented here.